So welcome back to another episode of Pushing the Limits. This one is quite interesting. It's the first episode we're doing via Zoom, so an online platform to speak to, to our guests. Um, obviously, because of the coronavirus, everyone is in you know, quarantine, self-isolation. And luckily, we have technology to help us get through this time. You never know. It might actually reinvent you know, the way people do things in the world. Maybe people will be more remote. You know, that's, that's for the future to say. But anyways, today we are here with Mona Pretorius. She is an Olympic weightlifter who was actually set to go to the Olympics this year. So that'll be quite an interesting topic of discussion. Um, yeah, welcome, Mona. Thank you, Giselle. Um, it's, really an honor to, <laughs> it's an honor to be on your show. <laughs> on my laptop as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, like we said earlier, you know, how amazing technology is that we can still, you know, um, get to talk and you can still, you know, do your podcast and everything. So we are exactly. very blessed with having that. I mean, it's crazy to think I'm sitting here in Pretoria, South Africa, and you're sitting there in Romania, and you know, I know. Like, this is the cavemen would never think that this would have been something. I know, possible. I know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. But thank you so much for taking your your the time out of your day to to chat to us. And just for everyone listening, would you mind just introducing yourself, what you do, what you've done in the past, who you are? <laughs> yes, sure. Um, okay, so my name is. Um, Mona Pretorius, and now I'm Mona De Lacey. I got married um, a few months back. Um, Congrats! I'm <laughs> thank you. Like Giselle said, I'm an Olympic weightlifter. Um, I come from a history of quite a few sports. Um, I first started off as a karateka, um, and with that, I became a six-time karate world champion. Um, actually, with the help of Olympic weightlifting. Um, which I probably would have never have done professionally if um, I didn't, if my dad didn't put me into the sport or actually found a great coach to help me back in South Africa um, to help me be more explosive and faster in my sport than the karate. Um, yeah, so that was my karate side of things. Um, then I was also a CrossFit Games athlete. And again, with the help of my Olympic lifting, it made a huge difference in the CrossFit. Um, I became a CrossFit Games athlete, um, or yeah, CrossFit Games athlete in 2012. And I loved the weightlifting side of it. I loved the gymnastics side of it. I did not like the cardio side <laughs> of things. <laughs> um, but yes, all in all, um, I'm a huge sport fanatic. Um, now at the moment, my main sport is Olympic weightlifting. And like you said earlier, I'm prepping for the Olympics. And with everything going on, you know, still trying to stay positive and working towards my goals. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's awesome that you can stay positive. I mean, I think this has been a difficult time for, you know, not just athletes all around the world, but, you know, businessmen, everyone, because you know, I was thinking about it the other day. You don't just plan something in a day. You don't just say, oh, okay, well, let's just plan this event or this competition. And, you know, the next day it's done. Like these things are planned years in advance. So to have basically a whole year kind of set back with all of those things, it's, it's difficult for, for a lot of people. And I know athletes are taking a huge toll because, you know, like with the Olympics, you don't just wake up 
one morning and say, cool, I'm just going to compete at the Olympics and, you know, start training. Um, you, you spend years training for it. And like you said, you, you've been training for this for 20 years. Yes. (laughs) That's a long time to be prepping for something that potentially can be postponed. Yes. Yeah. I must say it's, um, it's been a quite a mix of emotions, um, because, you're still trying to stay positive. And obviously, until the last few days, we haven't really known what is going on. Um, I have some friends actually in Japan that said to me, um, Japan is going ahead, you know, planning as if the Olympics is going to take place. Um, and then you've got the whole world outside of Japan, which is um, in chaos at the moment. I mean, mm-hmm. every Almost all the countries now are going into lockdown. Um, A lot of athletes can't get to their training facilities. Um, Like myself, um, we've probably been out of facility now for about two weeks that I couldn't train in my my gym, um, that we've had to do home workouts and resistant type things and um, gymnastics work etc um yeah so it's been it's been a huge up and down and I sent you an article this morning where you know they said you know, people mustn't really worry about what's going to happen next. But like I said, it's almost a 99% chance that Olympics probably will get postponed. Um, Mm. I think the big question that a lot of athletes have right now is to win, Um, because that will make a big difference in the preparation, how you need to change your mindset, your training program. Um, I think for now, the athletes that have to stay indoors and have to do the body weight work, you know, it does kind of take a little bit of stress off you because, I mean, if you can't train in your facility for a month or even up to two months, um, you know, as a weightlifter, you do lose a lot of strength. Um, so it would have caused a lot of stress and you would have definitely have gone down in performance. Um, so I guess that is the one relief of things. Um, but then the other negative part is, like you said, you know, I've been prepping for this for 20 years and you have your mindset on it and you know I was saying to myself like you know I'm giving my all even through the aches and pains for this Olympics after Olympics take a bit of a break um, because it's been 20 years and yeah so (laughs) I guess we wait now and see what's gonna happen next and I'm gonna stay positive and you know keep on doing what I can do back home. Well I think that's the important thing as well is to understand what's in your control and what's out of your control and to kind of work around that. And I know that it's, it's an easy concept to understand, but it's difficult to implement, especially because you're so emotionally involved in things. So how do you, you know, someone, you're someone who, who, like we say, just speaking in regards to the Olympics, you've been prepping for, for this one, let's say for, you know, specifically this one for the past four years, that's what your goal's yeah. been, you know, your training's been specifically designed for that. How do you then as an athlete stay motivated, stay confident, stay positive and try and focus on what you can control as opposed to what you can't control? Not knowing that, you you know, because the Olympics are always like, you know, you never, you never guaranteed a spot. You have to qualify for it. It's, exactly. and if you don't qualify, it's not like, Oh, I'll just do it next year. You have to wait the four years. Exactly. Um, yeah. And like it, it definitely is tough. I mean, it's not easy. It's not like I can just say, Oh yes, I'm just, um, you know, 
super positive, super happy all the time. Um, like I said, it's been quite an up and down of emotions. Um, it's actually just focusing on the things that I can control at the moment. And, you know, the one thing that I can control is like I can wake up every day. I can still work out. It might not be with weights, but I mean, you know, we improvise. Um, my husband and I do body weight workouts every single day. So we do our part to actually still stay positive. Um, we try and stick to a routine. Um, we focus on an online business. Um, I'm still doing like sports psychology talks, etc. So, you know, there's a lot that I can do. And I think um, being able to talk to athletes about it. And then voicing, you know, like the positivity, like things that you can still focus on and how a person just needs to be a bit more flexible in their goals. Um, you know, being able to do that has actually in return helped myself um, because when you talk about it and you help other athletes, um, it's like you realize yourself, okay, listen, I need to practice what I preach. <laughs> and um you know, by telling athletes out there, you know, stay positive, doing daily workouts, giving people out there something to do, um, which there's a lot of athletes out there that, you know, they don't know what they can do exercise wise. A lot of them are like, what am I going to do now? Because all I had was weightlifting or all I had was, you know, whatever sport they are doing. Mm -hmm. um, so now to stay in quarantine or, you know, in-house isolation, um, it's tough um, because you're used to being outdoors, doing your thing, etc. Um, so yeah, the thing is, like you said earlier, is you have to focus on what you can control. And as soon as you start making this a negative thing and focus on the negative, yes, it will get you down. Um, and I think the thing that, you know, helps me is the fact that I know Olympics will still happen. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't know when. Um, I did tell myself I am going to be flexible with my goals. Um, I already also sat with my husband. We talked about, you know, if Olympics does get moved for a year or for two years, you know, what is the pros, what is the cons, what we'll do, etc. Okay. So I think the fact that we already have like a plan A and a plan B and a plan C um, has definitely has definitely helped. And okay. it, it does help talking to someone about it that has or that actually understands you and they understand that, you know, your sport is your everything. And they know that you basically eat, sleep and breathe your sport every single day. Um, yeah. And like I said, another pro of this whole thing is, um, you know, prepping with um, some niggles throughout the year um, after I had my big injury. And yes, I've been recovering, but you know, you still push your body to the limits. Um, you train twice a day. So it's about five to six hours of training. Um, and your body does take a toll. So the, the one pro out of this whole thing is you do get to give your body a little bit of a rest. Um, and not to not train at all, but to actually do all your rehabilitation exercises, your prehab exercises. Mm -hmm. So yeah, taking a bit of the positive out of the situation. I'm sure every physio out there is so happy right now because now the athletes have to do all the prehab exactly. <laughs> and, and all the little things that they wouldn't generally do. That's <laughs> Which true. That's I think will actually be very interesting to see how it actually does improve athletic performance because maybe by taking away weights for certain athletes and allowing them to focus on banded work 
you know, more, more specific work relating to smaller muscles that sometimes don't get as much love and attention. It'll be interesting exactly. to see if, if our bodies come back from this, you know, stronger, you know, more ready to, to have load put on it and everything. So I guess that's a positive as well, definitely. But yes, the one thing you mentioned that I thought was very interesting was the whole flexibility, you know, being flexible about your goals, being flexible about, you know, what you can do, what you can't do. And I think what I've been seeing from a lot of athletes in particular, and I think what I've been experiencing myself is, is that you've had to change your routine. And I think especially being, you know, in a sporting environment, you build your life on routine. That's how, that's, that's, that's where we find our comfort. Um, you know, you have your routine of training, eating, sleeping, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And for all of this to be, you know, thrown out of whack and not really, you know, like you said, like having a specific plan, you know, that, that everyone else is telling us like, oh, don't worry, guys, this will only be, you know, be a month or two. We, yeah. Everything's indefinite at the moment. So it's exactly, not like yeah. <laughs> and things and find that routine. But I think it's amazing what you were saying about being able to be flexible. Would you say then that, you know, to be a great athlete, you need to be flexible in, in you know, in routine, I guess. It's kind of a oxymoron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think definitely. Um, I think also, like you were saying, what actually makes an athlete great is the fact that they can stick to a routine. Um, no matter what, um, you know, come rain or high water the athlete will make sure they are at their training sessions doesn't matter if they wake up with whatever aches or pains they will be there um and now it's probably the first time that you know this is out of our control um so it will definitely test a lot of athletes um and i think the fact that like um we were talking earlier about you know, yes, we might not be able to go and train at our gyms. Um, but if you can still stick to a kind of a routine, like, for example, my first training sessions um, in the week would normally range from like 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock or 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock. And my second session would normally be from like um, 4 o'clock till 6 o'clock or 4 till 7 o'clock. Um, you know, those are kind of routines that I can still stick with. Um, and even though I need to be flexible with the type of training I need to do, but, you know, I can still try and say to myself, um, those will be my training times. Um, now that I'm obviously not training uh, twice a day, but there's certain technique uh, things that I can do. I can do some stretching or yoga. And I do now that in the second time when um, I would do my second session, for example. Um, so it still does give you um, kind of a way to still stick to your routine as much as possible. But just being flexible now of like where you would do it and obviously flexible in the fact that like we don't know what's happening next with with competitions mm. um so kind of just like keeping an open mind and I think if athletes can set a different kind of goal at the moment um you know they can set um uh with the body weight exercises they do they can say, you know, okay, I can do X amount of reps today. So maybe I'll do uh, X amount of reps uh, by the end of the week. I'm going to mm -hmm. set this as my new target or mm -hmm. I'm doing my uh, plank holds for 60 seconds. Next week, I'm going to try and do for 90 seconds. So, you know, try and set these small little goals. It might not be like, you know, goals that you would 
set if you're actually going for the Olympics. But, you know, it's just keeping things a bit challenging and it's making things interesting um, because I think a lot of things like a lot of the important thing is athletes can get bored at the moment um, because that was their time. And I think even the same with business people out there, you know, this would be their office time. Um, but if they can still go home and do some of their work at home and stick to a, a routine, um, you know, it doesn't change things that much, but you still can focus on the things that are, that are important. Definitely. And I think, you know, I think with, every negative in life there is a positive that's how you know the world works um i've read a lot of things on on eastern philosophy and they talk about the yin and yang and basically say that without the negative you can't have the positive without the positive you can't have the negative it's all in one you wouldn't know what positive is if you didn't have negative so it makes exactly how important is it then in your opinion for an athlete wanting to be successful to be positive, to believe in themselves when, you know, the odds are kind of against them or to find, you know, positive things in negative situations. How important is like really, how important is that to get to, you know, an Olympic level? Um, I think it's, it's very important because this is like a situation that's definitely going to, like I said, test a lot of athletes. Um, at the moment, we don't even know that, if Olympics gets postponed for a year or two years, are they going to have to redo all the qualifications? Um, you know, what's going to happen? So even with this time, you have to really focus on the positive and you have to still, you know, wake up every day, stay hungry, um, stay hungry for your goals. Um, you know, as bad as the situation can be and as far as the situation might have thrown you back, um, you have to still look at the positive at the end of the day. And believing in yourself is probably like one of the number one things out there. Um, because if you don't believe in yourself, um, yeah, that's when I think uh, things are going to start to go downhill for an athlete. And, you know, that's when athletes falls into um, negative routines. That's when athletes start to um, will start to talk negatively to themselves. Um and it just, you know, it's it's a downward spiral at the end of the day. And I think, like I said, this will be a big test for a lot of athletes because mm-hmm. um, the Olympics for a lot of people is like the be-all and end-all, um, especially if for four years you've sacrificed everything. Um, a lot of athletes train full-time, so that means a lot of them don't get a lot of financial support. Um You sacrifice work during that time. You sacrifice friendships. You sacrifice, um, you know, going out and socializing, all that kind of thing. Um, So you have to still know that everything that you've done, um, there will still come a positive out of it. Mm -hmm. And I believe that even like you said, like for every negative, there's a positive. Um, This is definitely the athletes who rise out of this will definitely show, you know, the mental toughness from that athlete side. That's amazing. You're literally giving me chills while you talk. <laughs> so inspiring. It's awesome. Oh. Um, in terms of positivity, I think, you know, for, for one, I used to think you just wake up, you know, positive and everything. And, you know, my, my boyfriend, Trav, he's 
an unbelievably positive person to a point where it's actually irritating sometimes because you just want to vent <laughs> and you just always got a freaking solution yeah. and you're like I don't I don't want a solution right now yeah <laughs> and um he taught me that it's 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 something you have to work on constantly 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 so exactly. in terms of you with your positivity your um belief in yourself you know is that something you work on consciously and and constantly um i would definitely say it's something that i i do work on a lot um i also think it might be something that's come with me from a young age um and i give my father credit for that um because he used to be very tough with me with um how i used to grow up and you know start i started in sport when i was eight years old before that i did gymnastics um only oh. basically to um get myself fit and to do um exercises etc but when i started karate that was when my father basically um took me under his wing and he said to me that you know i will i will train you um but you know there's no quitting um you know if this is tough then you must tell me now then you know there's no point in you competing at international events or us um spending time and money and effort on this um so you need to you need to push through you need to um be mentally tough you need to believe in yourself even when no one believes in you um and i must say with him being positive like that and pushing me as a youngster i think it's definitely carried over um to me as an adult right now and i mean also having um james my husband um to talk to and you know having him he's also very positive um so i can often talk to him about things and he'll give me like uh, uh really good answers i think it's very similar to your to your mm. boyfriend <laughs> um james is a very positive person and he's really been my rock throughout everything um i've also been a person that like I really love reading motivational books and watching motivational uh YouTube videos and of athletes that do really great things um that's kind of the thing that as soon as I feel like you know I'm feeling a little bit negative or maybe training has been hard or my body's been aching a lot um and also when I was dealing with my quad tendon injury mm-hmm. um that was definitely the thing that got me to stay positive and you know having james say tell me you know um you've prepped for this your whole life like mm-hmm. we're going to do what we can you know you're going to see physio every single day like after my injury i saw the physio basically six days a week um you know i used to walk out of there sometimes crying because the most simplest exercises like I couldn't do because I couldn't get my leg to move and every single day I went in there was a little bit of progress but not the kind of progress that I'm used to and not the kind of progress progress that I wanted because I wanted my leg to be healed really quickly because I knew what was lying ahead um and you know what through all of that stuff and you know every day taking the small little wins um I would tell myself you know I'm going to try and grab the positive um instead of actually um having my moment um and being you know i injured myself um there's no hope for me for olympics mm-hmm. um you know in and being negative about it i said to myself you know i'm going to do what i can right now um i can't foresee the future um but if i know i do what i can right now um 
I can believe in myself. I can go to the gym. Even if I can't do all the exercises, I'm going to do what I can. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Then I'm going to walk out of that gym and I'm going to see it as a small win. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the things that's kind of kept me positive um, throughout the last um, basically year and a half since I've had the injury. Um, Yeah. And then basically also then the help of my father when I was when I was younger. I think that's amazing. I think, you know, for, for you to to have your injury a year and a half ago and it was you you tore your your quad, quad tendon. Quad tendon. I mean it's yeah. it's not a like a sprained ankle, like that's a pretty yeah. <laughs> injury. So to have that and then a year and a half later, you know, to have all of this stuff that's happening around the coronavirus and the Olympics, it's a lot to, you know, get thrown at you. Um so I think I, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I think you having that experience with your dad and learning how to be positive at such a young age probably prepared you for this because, you know, I think every athlete goes through hardships in their journey. It's yes. part of the journey. And I think the ones who come out on top are the ones who know how to deal with with failure and rejection and setbacks and everything. So. Um, I think positivity is definitely, like you said, belief, number one thing that that's important for an athlete. How did you deal with your injury? Talk us through that, because not only did you <laughs> tear your, your quad tendon, but then you, you know, you won the African champs weightlifting. So that, talk us through that, because that's incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was quite um, tough in the beginning. I thought to myself you know this is just um a big niggle um it it started happening um i'd say around commonwealth games time and actually after i got my knee like really well strapped up i had a really good physio at the commonwealth games and um she was really super amazing and i saw her every single day before i competed and the day i competed i said to myself, you know, um, this is something I've worked my whole life for. Um, By the time it was Commonwealth Games, it's been 18 years of preparation. And Commonwealth Games, very similar to the Olympics, is only once every four years. And now I've had quite a few Commonwealth Games before that. Um, And I actually, this would have been my fourth Commonwealth Games, yes my fourth Commonwealth Games. And before that, I actually had, um, when was it? In 2014, I actually bombed. Um, I don't know, Giselle, if you know what it means to bomb in weightlifting. You miss all your lifts. Oh, no. And every single one so of if them. You, every single one of them on the stage. And then what happens is you get a no score. So you get zero for your total. So basically, um, it was super bad for me because... I like you like for Olympics you prep four years for this um and that's actually not if I if I can uh just go back a few yeah. few more years um, go for it. <laughs> in, in 2006 it was actually my first Commonwealth Games I was one of the youngest ever for South Africa to compete um How old are you? at that I was I think 15 uh, 16 I think around 16 or 17 yeah um 
and competing at that level at a senior level. So in weightlifting, you turn senior level 21 and older. So I was 16 or 17 years old. I competed. Um, I came, I think, fourth or fifth at my first Commonwealth Games. So there was a lot of hope um, for me for my future Commonwealth Games because I was still so young in the sport and there were so many more Commonwealth Games ahead of me. Then four years after that, um, the Commonwealth Games in India, I actually tore my calf muscle. And this actually happened on the competition day. Mm -hmm. So very similar, yeah, very similar to then um, 2014, I got zero for my total. So again, four years of preparation. Um, I did really well in my qualification events, um, won some international competitions, etc. Qualified then for um, Commonwealth Games 2014, which was in Glasgow. Um, and that was one of the Commonwealth Games. I also got zero as a total, um, bombed on the competition day. It really just wasn't my day. Um, and it's devastating for athletes. And, you know, when you have that happen and you have the whole world looking you know it's it's live on tv um it's it's devastating and you go back to the warm-up area and you think to yourself maybe it's time I retire you know maybe it's time I give up um I feel like I'm embarrassing myself on international stage you know I have all these people supporting me my my sponsors my family my support system etc um so it takes a quite a big toll on you personally and emotionally um and literally it was like a week of me feeling really down and questioning myself should I continue should I not continue and I thought to myself you know what this isn't like me to quit um I wasn't raised to be a quitter I'm not gonna give up you know um I'm gonna train my butt off for the next Commonwealth Games which will then be in 2018 um and at that time, you know, like I said, you can't foresee the future. So I wasn't sure if after that, maybe I'm going to retire from weightlifting or what I'm going to do. So I said to myself, this next four years, I'm going to give it my everything. Um, train hard, stay super focused, do what I can. You know, my sleep was on point, my nutrition, everything. Um, during that time, I was actually living in USA. Um, I actually had one of my coaches um, that's from USA, and I moved to USA in 2015, um, 2015 uh, 2016, actually. And Dutch Lowry was my coach during that time. And um, moving then to the USA, I was working in Texas. I was coaching Olympic lifting to um, a whole bunch of uh, uh, military personnel. Um, oh, cool. I was also then yeah, working with, um, they called themselves South operators. So it was military, it was police, there were firemen. Um, and then also I did uh, technical weightlifting for a lot of people that actually just wanted to get better in weightlifting. And I also started a youth weightlifting program up in Texas. And by doing that and being able to train in USA, you know, everything was on point. Um, I was working really hard towards the 2018 uh, Commonwealth Games. And I said to myself, you know what, um, I'm just, I'm going to give it my all. And I went into the Commonwealth Games um, I said to myself, you know, I, I actually, to be honest, I had a different feeling going into this Commonwealth Games that I actually had for any of the other prior games. I felt a lot more 
confident. I felt a bit more relaxed. I think also the fact that I felt a bit more relaxed is because I had two bad commonwealths before. And there was a lot of people, I think, that were like, you know, kind of let's see what's going to happen with this Commonwealth, you know. Um, maybe it's just not Mona's thing to compete on an international stage or et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to take that as a positive. I'm going to take it um, and I'm going to go there. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to enjoy every single moment of it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to retire after the Commonwealth Games or not. So I, I technically have nothing to lose. Um, I went there. I was uh, super calm on the day. I still remember I woke up. I was like, wow, it's competition day. <laughs> I didn't even feel nervous or anything, which was like super strange. Um, and I went into the competition and I couldn't have had a better competition. I mean, I broke three South African records. I got six out of six lifts, which is wow. very rare for an athlete. Um And, yeah, I got the bronze medal, um, which was, like, such an amazing moment. After I finished, I'll never forget this, when I finished my last lift, as I dropped the barbell, I actually just started crying, like, on stage. And I was like, it hit me that, you know, this this moment actually happened. And I think 18 years of training just hit me on that spot. And it was something that, you know, I'll – I'll never forget. It mm-hmm. was it was super amazing. And, you know, I if, if I have a time now where I feel down or I feel like training isn't going as planned, I mean, and you'll know with the sports psychology side of things, I'll I'll often close my eyes and I'll actually visualize that moment mm-hmm. and I'll visualize the feelings that I had with the Commonwealth Games. And I actually, I open my eyes and I feel... I feel good. I feel happy. I feel content because that's exactly how I felt on the competition day. Um, so I take a lot from that Commonwealth Games and, you know, I had to go out there and, and prove myself. And when that happened, it was like it sparked something inside of me. And even though I got injured during that time, I said to myself, you know what? I don't care what it takes. Um, I'm going to go for this next Olympics. Um, Again, I don't know um, if I'm going to retire after the Olympics Mm -hmm. or what I'm going to do, um, but I'm going to give my all with that. And I think even with the injury, that is the thing that's kept me going. That's the thing that's kept me hungry for um, going into the gym, um, doing my best that I can, even if I'm not at the level that I was, you know, back then. And now I am a lot closer than what I was. Um, but it's still that moment is what actually I hold on to. And I think it's very important for every single athlete out there to have something in their life that was super successful. And, you know, holding on to that, even when things are tough, if you are injured now, when we don't know what's going to happen with competitions, you know, going back to that moment and actually realizing that, you know, even with everything that's happening, you are doing it for something mm-hmm. and you're doing it for that feeling. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and to be, yeah. And to be on a podium in an international event is like one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah. And it's like very rarely can anything compare to that feeling. <laughs> so that's amazing that you have this feeling that you've experienced and you just use that energy to further fuel yourself to achieve something else that could potentially feel 
better, you know, like yes. going to the Olympics <laughs> and everything. Um, so, so would you say that that's your reason for competing or like what, what's your why? Like why have you competed throughout your whole life, you know, now even still, you know, aiming for big goals? What, what's your motivation? Um, so my motivation is actually the fact that I, I love training. Um, I love going into the gym. Even it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. It's like my escape. Um, so I'll go into the gym for that hour or two hours I'm there. I try my best to always put everything, doesn't matter what it is, aside for the two hours. Um, I, I do my training um, and I always tell myself, you know, if I reach a really great total that qualifies me for an international event, um, that's a bonus. And um, so I won't even say that now, like obviously I have the Olympics that I'm working for now, but honestly, the thing that's been my why for the last 20 years is honestly the fact that I go into training and I, I love lifting weights. I love the feeling of it. Um, I love that I can go in there. I can, I can challenge myself in a different kind of way every single time. Um, so the medals and the competitions, that's kind of just a, a bonus on top of yeah. it. So it's very internal, like internal motivation, you know, seeing what goals you can achieve, how you can push yourself. And I think that's amazing because I think regardless of whether you're an athlete or, you know, someone involved in business or art or anything, I think the beautiful thing about humans is our passion for growth and our ability to adapt and grow. And I think once we really tap into knowing why we want to do something and finding out how we can do that, then yes. the potential for growth is just endless because you, you achieve one thing, you know, like, you know, for you, you would hit one weight and be like, okay, cool you know, goal done. Let's see what other weights I can hit. Exactly. And there's just, there's no <laughs> limit. It never ends, which I think is, exactly. it's just amazing. And it's so, it's so amazing to think that that's all within your control. It's all from your mind and how you think about things. Um, that's, how, you know, you've created that, you've created that life for, for yourself. And I think that's, that's awesome. Um, so I know with everything happening with the coronavirus and everything, there's a lot of negatives, but let's not focus on that. So let's focus on, you know, the positive things. Uh, so like with the Olympics, um, I mean, that's an exciting thing to be training for, let alone, you know, potentially be competing <laughs> at whenever that at is. <laughs> exactly. Um, so like, talk me through that. Have you always wanted to go to the Olympics? Um, how did you feel when you saw that you were in contention to compete and all of that stuff? Like that's, that's exciting stuff. Um, Giselle, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it literally is something I've always wanted. I mean, since a little girl, it's something that I've dreamed of. I mean, I grew up in a house where my dad is like a sport fanatic. Um, so I probably get that sporting side 100% from him um, and his motivation and his, his hunger for sport. I mean, my dad is also one of the national coaches back in South Africa. So, you know, his passion is also with weightlifting. Um, but even while I was growing up and I went into karate, um, 
I love karate to bits. And I actually said to my husband, um, now with the coronavirus and everything going on, it would actually be a nice time to actually like go back to martial arts because also in, with martial arts, you don't need any weights or anything, you know, it's just you and your partner or like you have your boxing gloves and your bag and your, or your mitts and you sort it, you know? Um, but yeah, so when I did my karate um, back then, uh, karate was never an Olympic sport. And yeah. it was a huge achievement for me to um, get to where I, uh, where I got in karate with um, becoming six-time world champion and um, becoming a third-down black belt. So that was super amazing for me. But for me, I was like, what's next after that? You know, I could win more Olympic, uh, I could win more world champion titles or I could go up in a dance. But for for athletes in that sport, um, that could be the thing that is like their everything. How, sorry, but for how me, old were you when you were when you were the six time world champion, um, I I stopped karate when I was about sixteen. Okay. Yes. Yeah. When I was sixteen, and I I started when I was like seven or eight years old. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, after, after all those years, um, you know, watching the Olympics on TV um, at that time, obviously I started weightlifting when I was 12. Um, so I was watching on, um, you know, on Supersport, I was watching the Olympics with the weightlifting and the gymnastics. And it was just something that like, I would watch it and think to myself, wow, I want this. And obviously with karate not being an Olympic sport, I, I knew at that time that, you know, it's, it's something that I wouldn't be able to achieve through karate. And as much as I loved karate, um, during that time, I also started to fall in love with weightlifting because I was doing the Olympic weightlifting to help my karate. Um, and I saw that as an opportunity then to get myself to Olympics. And Unfortunately, in our country, um, which is very small when it comes to Olympic weightlifting, it's been impossible over the last, you can say the last um, 16 years to get to Olympics because unfortunately how the qualifications used to work in the past is you need a very big number of female athletes to compete in, say, African championships, um, which then gives you a certain amount of points in your continental championships. And with that amount of points, so you get team points, which would then say, take the best female athlete and send her to Olympics. But because we didn't have the numbers for women in the sport, and also we didn't have the numbers to lift it at a level high enough to get us points to send me to Olympics. Um, it was something that was almost like, out of reach for me during that time and it was it was tough because I knew I wasn't going to give up on the stream and I knew I would still do everything that I can and hoping you know throughout the years that maybe the qualification system changed and that is exactly what happened four years ago um, so four years ago they started talking about changing the whole qualification process for Olympics um, due to all the doping cases that took place and also to give athletes a chance that is number one in their continent, a chance to compete in Olympics. And so what they did was the last two years, they made all the international um, athletes compete in six international events um, where they gather points. And with that point, it puts you in a spot in your continent. 
And if you are number one in your continent, you actually get automatic qualification. So that no longer means that you needed a full team to get points to send you to Olympics. So this I saw as the perfect way, you know, to actually for once in my life qualify as an individual for the sport. Um, and obviously the pandemic happened. <laughs> Yeah, like a massive stop on everything. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So what I'm holding on to at the moment, Giselle, is the fact that um, I'm hoping that they would keep the rankings as is, Mm -hmm. you know, if they do decide to move it for a year, um, because there's, there's a lot of questions. I mean, Throughout all my international competitions, I basically had to pay out of my own pocket, um, which was like hundreds of thousands of rands because I had to pay for myself and my coach to travel overseas every single time. So it was very expensive, obviously, to get myself to qualify and to compete in all these international events um, on top of like uh, paying for the surgery for my knee and stuff like that. So it's been financially hard to get myself to this point, but I made that sacrifice because I knew if there was ever a time to qualify for Olympics, this would be it. Yes. Um, and I think that was also the thing that like kept me hungry to, you know, go for it and to give my best at every single competition. So again, um, we wait now to year till when it is okay. postponed. Um, if it is hundred percent postponed. Yeah. And, um, then obviously what's going to happen with our current rankings? Is it going to change? Are they going to add more qualification events? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I think they will actually release all the information in the next four weeks. Well, at least then you guys have a plan. You know what's happening. You can then exactly. you know, plan around that. But, you know, I have no doubt that, you know, whatever whatever challenge comes your way, you'll be able to handle it, you know, from chatting to you and, hearing about everything you've gone through with, you know, the qualifiers, your your surgeries, your injuries and everything and hearing your mindset and how you attack that. Uh, yeah, I have no doubt that it'll, <laughs> you know, it'll turn out really well for you. I, I, I just know it. Um, and thank you so much for, for sharing your time with me. I've learned so much and I'm sure, you know, the people listening to this will take it as a, a huge motivation thing, you know, to help them through this this pandemic. Um, just to end off the show, I just want to ask you one question. Sure. What advice? <laughs> what advice would you give to? Let's just talk about weightlifting, I guess, because that's your 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 main focus now. To anyone wanting to pursue weightlifting, either at an international level, at a, an Olympic level, you know, do they have to start young? Is it ever too late to start? Just any advice that you can give to anyone who who needs it. Sure. Um, Okay, first advice that I will give. um, Obviously, um, after the pandemic, (laughs) um, the best thing that you can do is find yourself a weightlifting club um, that is registered. Find yourself a coach um, that knows what he's doing, um, someone that's involved in Olympic weightlifting. Um, Once you find a coach and someone that's actually involved in weightlifting and that knows the sport really well, and that is working together with the South African Weightlifting Federation, Um, they can tell you exactly what competitions there are, what competitions to work for. They know the rules of the sport. Um, They know the ins and outs of the sport, Um, and especially the technical side of things. Um, It's a very tough sport technically-wise, but no, if – if a person loves the sport, and even if you come from a different sporting background, 
I do not believe that there's an age limit um, for it. Obviously, the younger you do start, the better it is. But if you do start later, it's not too late for you. I mean, there are some amazing international athletes out there that's actually started pretty late in their career um, and still reached the top. I mean, it all, it's, it's a mindset. Um, you have to be willing to do the work. It's a tough sport, um, but it's got a lot of rewards out there. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. I think especially now in an age where we live with social media, where I think age has become a massive thing. It's, you know, got to do things as young as possible. I think that can put a lot of pressure on people. So it is good to hear that, you know, there's no really age limit. It's your mindset. And again, that's something in your control, which is exactly. just awesome. But Mona, <laughs> thank you so much. I really, really appreciate chatting to you. And hopefully we can have you back on the show after the Olympics. Yes, <laughs> so we can hear about <laughs> that your would be Olympic amazing. experience. So it could be a oh, year's time, it could be four years' time, we don't know. <laughs> exactly. No, thank you so much, Giselle. It was really an honor to be on your show. Awesome. But we'll chat to you soon. I'll definitely send you some more messages about your rabbits. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> that, that's yeah. the main reason I had you on your podcast was, was to get closer <laughs> to your rabbit. <laughs> Oh yeah. Listen, she's honestly she's like she's like a little puppy. I mean, um, she sleeps in our bed. She follows me everywhere. I'm surprised she hasn't come knocking at the door right now because she she comes every morning at seven o'clock. Comes scratches on the door to open it, and she jumps in the bed. She comes straight to me. Um, this morning she actually came and she got under the blankets and was lying super tight next to me. Oh, this <laughs> she like, is a dog. <laughs> she literally, I think she's got an identity crisis. Oh. Um, but I'm not complaining. No. I love the love that she gives. Oh, that's so awesome. But Mona, again, thank you so much. And we'll definitely chat soon. Thank you, Giselle. And, and good luck it. with training. Good luck with training. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.